so good to be back here at Newhart. You are some cool people, I tell you. So good to see some of my dear friends. I haven't seen Petra Gonzalez in, where's your husband anyway? Tell him I said hi. Amen, Deborah, and who else is that? Oh, there's Rose and Dennis and um, Malik. No, I always call him Malachi, Mich Michon. <laughs> so good to see you all, my dear, dear, dear friends. Uh, Pastor Chuck, as you know, and Mary Ann, we go back, 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 back. But you know how far we go back, right? Um, Ivory Stone and I go way back way, 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 way back to Motown, okay? Do we go back, you know, to, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I met her uh, through Smokey Robinson years and years ago. We had Bible studies together and uh, for years kind of got saved around that same, in that same circle and uh, just watching her in the ministry now is like, wow. God, you're just amazing. You're just amazing. <clears throat> and I think that uh, as I um, share today, she will see herself in many, in much of what I'm saying today uh, in terms of her journey. Um, and then uh, I can't begin to do anything without um, my husband, Charles, who uh, is my gift from the Lord. Just really my gift. Gift, 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 gift. <laughs> He's, he's the gift that never stops giving, I tell you. You know, uh, he told me uh, 10 years ago when we got married, uh, he says, my new occupation in life is making you happy. And, uh, and uh, I thought he was just being cool and being neat, you know, and just trying to be impressive and all that. But I, I can truly say, you know, that he has made that his occupation. When I'm happy, he's happy, okay? Uh, he's, he's made put me first in so many ways and been a father to my children and, and grandchildren. And, you know, my little granddaughter, I mean, I had a real problem with my baby granddaughter because when she learned how to walk and talk, she would come in the house and run past me. Granddaddy, granddaddy. I'm like, excuse me, you know. But, uh, but uh, he's, he's that kind of lovable person. Uh, there's just not a lot of guile in him. You know, he's just kind of just a... Uh, and then uh, more than the most important thing is I never, ever experienced anybody uh, in my life... Uh, that prays for me every day and prays with me every day. When I turn over in the morning, you know, before I can even brush my teeth, let's pray, let's pray. So uh, we start the day every morning with prayer and whenever we counsel other couples or talk to people, talk to families, you know, that sort of thing, the first thing, Charles has one question he starts out with, are you praying together? Are you praying together? And he doesn't care if he's talking to a bishop, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, who, uh, me and there or somebody out of the off the street are you praying together and we have we have counseled homeless people and uh, and Charles is a special gift for the homeless for getting them back on their feet you know um, I don't know why I'm talking about him this morning but I just love him that's all I can say I just love him and uh, I love his spirit I love his the kindness uh, that uh, and he's teaching me how to be kind because I'm not kind by nature he is, okay? 
I'm just telling you the truth, you know. I'm, I'm the fussy one, you know. So um, anyway, uh, but Charles is kind by nature, amen. Um, but isn't it interesting, no matter how kind we are or how rough around the edges we are, we all need salvation, amen. Kindness doesn't, doesn't equate to salvation, amen. We all need Jesus Christ, amen. So um, let me give you some updates. Uh, I've written, an, a, let, me, let me clarify that. I, I didn't write a new book. I published a new book. And, um, and if you, I have any um, Facebook friends, about a, few, a while back I put a, put a picture up on Facebook. Uh, it showed a stack of manuscripts that I, had, that I had written over the years and never published anything. I haven't published a book in 10 years. Um, and uh, th that kind of being because um, the publisher that I was under kind of said was more interested in what the market required as opposed to what God was really saying to my heart. And so we, you know, we just kept being at odds and you know, I said, I'll oh, forget it. So the manuscripts have kind of stacked up. And then um, um, this uh, past summer, uh, the Lord just began to convict me about burying my talents and what was I going to say when he came back and and what was I going to do about the investment that he was making in me um, was I going to show him a profit and a good return for the talents and uh, you know so I, I, I've been rushing ever since to um, to get those manuscripts into print amen and to do what I need to do so um, I, I so this book the, my newest book The Fallen Stone is a book that I that I wrote maybe 20 years ago, okay, at least 20 years ago. Um, you know about doing stuff and letting it sit, Ivory. You know that about that, yeah. Um, so, um, and it was the first one that kind of jumped out of the stack and said, "This one needs to go first. And I wrote the Fallen Stone as a result of some at a time. Uh, in our history in the church, when a lot of leaders were beginning to fall, uh, were beginning to be exposed, and uh, and people that we thought, you know, that we listened to, that we supported, that we, that uh, some of us were saved under these particular televangelists and different people in public ministry, and and I kept seeing them, you know, and I, I, I you know. I, I was really praying for them because I mean, some of it just really just broke my heart, you know, especially just people that I was listening and following, you know, and many of you remember back when Jimmy Swaggart, you know, kind of bit the devil. I was a Jimmy Swaggart diehard. I mean, I loved his preaching, you know, and uh, uh, different people. And so I began to really pray and seek God's face uh, concerning what was happening in the church and people falling. And um, God showed me uh, in, a, in, in a picture in my spirit, he showed me a recycling factory. And he showed me bottles and cans, you know, that had been empty and used and crushed. And um, how he was just turning them into something new. And uh, I remember when Jim Baker uh, um, got into trouble and uh, he said, in the last days, he says, many of those who have fallen now uh, I will use them again. I will bring them back uh, recycled uh, and use them again. Uh, and uh, uh, so God is a recycler. 
and many times uh, the falls and the failures that we experience in our life, believe it or not, as you're going to see in a few minutes, are part of God's plan, uh, his perfect plan. Amen. So um, after someone very close to me kind of bit the dust, uh, the Lord gave me this story, and I'm not sure when he gave it or how he gave it, but uh, I know that uh, I, I had a habit, as, uh, as Dennis will tell you, of walking in the mountains of Pasadena. Uh, I remember Dennis and uh, his brother Anthony, and I used to take a bunch of kids, and we would just walk the trails in Pasadena. And I said, I said to them as we were walking on the trail, I never forget this, I, we got up the trail, and I said, well, we, after we finished on this trail, I said, I'm going to take you guys and get pizza. And they all ran to the bottom of the hill. They just left me. <laughs> <laughs> left me at the top of the mountain, okay? Ran down. But uh, somewhere along this, this, this trail of, uh, and I, I'm a stone collector, okay? I, I, I like rocks. And uh, because the scriptures um, say that uh, in the Old Testament that they would, when some event would happen, that they would um, set up a memorial stone. And so whenever I prayed and had a revelation from the Lord or, or something happened that was uh, memorable in my life, I would be on my walks, I would find a stone, okay? And I'd bring the stone home and I'd mark a date on it and I'd sit on my shelf. So when you come to my home office, you'll just see all these stones just kind of sitting uh, on my shelf. And if you look on the bottom, you'll see a date and a time. It's a memorial stone, amen? So I'm just kind of, uh, I'm kind of given to that. Um, uh, and I don't know how, it's just something that God did. So the fallen stone is not far from my personality, amen? But more than anything, um, this book, uh, The Fallen Stone, is a uh, it's, it's an allegory, uh, meaning a fairy tale, an adventure. But it's really about my life, okay, and how God uh, took me through more than one fall, amen, to perfect me and transform me and recycle me into the person that uh, he, want, he, he, he had in mind for me to become, amen. Um, so I want to uh, pray, and then we're going to get into uh, the story of the fallen stone and what God is saying to you about the failures and disappointments and uh, uh, downsizing <laughs> in your life and, uh, and all the things, all the glorious things that can come uh, out of God's, uh, what God allows Amen, in our lives, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace, Father. So amazed that you would let us sinners, God, saved by your grace, even come into your presence, Lord. What a glorious thing, Father, that the maker and the creator of the universe, the one who tells the rivers which way to flow, Father, and allows the rain to fall and the sun to shine consistently, never with, with the failure, God, but always consistent, God. You set everything in motion, and then <clears throat> you would want to have a relationship with us. And then, Lord, I just, um, as I wondered about the privilege and the honor of having a relationship with you, and I, I saw, and I, my, my husband and I were praying yesterday, I, I, I saw, Father, that young toddler that you showed me, and the toddler was toddling toward his father, just making those little steps. 
And you reminded me, Lord, that the toddler doesn't have to do anything to please the father except just come to him. That's all you want, like a little baby learning to walk, but I've got to give to my dad. And that's, that's what warms your heart. That's why you love us, Father. Just to see us, Lord, in our infancy and even in our growth, Lord, to just always seeking you, always after you. We don't have to do anything except love you. And so, Lord, we love you this morning. Now I pray, Father, and I ask that the words, Father, that are written herein in your and the pages of your word, Father, will just be lifted, Lord, on the wings of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and ride into the heart of every hearer, God. Take root, Lord, and bring forth, Lord, good fruit. For I ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, as, I, as I was saying many years ago, I sat down to write The Fallen Stone. And writing has always been therapeutic for me. Um, fortunately, the thing that I love to do um, also became my source of income, praise God. But I think that if I never made a dime off of writing, I would have been writing. Um, just because as you do gardening or whatever you love to do, this is just something I love to do, amen? And so uh, as I sat down uh, and my mind began to go um, to that creative place and the Lord began to download into me uh, a story. Uh, and uh, I want to read just one short chapter of what the Lord downloaded to me. Uh, and then we'll begin to talk more. Uh, and this is a story that's not for women, it's not for men, it's for young people and old people. You can read it to your children. Uh, it's a very simple story, it's not a complex story. So uh, I'm gonna begin reading chapter one, The Fall. <clears throat> the dawn of a new day filled the morning sky and a towering mountain known throughout the region as Peak smiled as he surveyed the vast terrain that lay at his majestic feet. It was that time of the year when the earth was slowly turning to a gentler season, focusing, uh, forcing winter to relinquish its icy grip. To celebrate this event, springtime dressed itself in yellow and purple wildflowers and danced across the hillsides to the music of singing birds and lovesick foxes. What a glorious day, Pete thought as he took a deep breath, inhaling the sweet fragrance of the crisp morning air. Pete was happy and secure in his position. It was very peaceful looking out over the vast valley, especially from such a place of prominence. Yes, he felt very powerful indeed. After all, the sun could not be seen in the morning until it rose over his expansive summit. In the winter months, the snow did not fall in the valley because Pete would catch it in his strong shoulders and hold it in his stony bosom until the early spring. Then at the appointed time, the melting snow would gently release, be released into the thirsty riverbeds below. From time to time, eagles would attempt to fly upward to build a nest at the top of Pete's lofty domain. 
Peek watched with amusement as one of the fearless birds struggled against the air currents that surrounded the top of the mountain like an invisible fortress. The violent winds gripped the great bird and howled with laughter as the challenger struggled to break free. In the end, the eagle spiraled downward to a place where the breeze blew gently against its battered wings. There were other challengers who put themselves to the test. The, the mountain goats with their strong bodies and sure foot and footing also tried to reach Pete's place of prominence and dominance. A few fearless goats had made their way to the high grounds filled with dangerous pockets of bottomless snow and sheets of treacherous ice. But it always ended with a slip of the foot that sent the poor mountain goats plunging to a terrible end. There were many attempts, but no one ever reached the very top of the mountain and lived to tell about it. Only the clouds above had the privilege of sharing the sky with the arrogant peak. No matter how hard they tried, Peak No made no allowance alliances with the clouds and avoided their company as much as possible. This was because he knew their true nature. Behind their peaceful, smiling, and billowy faces, they could be treacherous and unpredictable. Sometimes the clouds were filled with refreshing dew and rain. And this was most appreciated during the long, hot summer days. At other times, without warning, the clouds turned dark and angry, bringing furious rainstorms and blinding ice and snow. As if driven, driven by some mysterious fits of rage, the ominous clouds sometimes spewed hailstones that exploded like missiles against the face of the peak. Without mercy, the icy stones beat against the mountain and then crashed and melted in the earth below. We meant no harm, the clowns would always, the clouds would always say, apologizing after the calm had been restored. But when the freezing winds push and swirl us in every direction, we get all worked up and things just get a little out of control. In spite of the clouds' feigned apologies, Pete knew too well that they lived and breathed to intimidate and dominate everything under the heavens. Even with attacks of wind, rain, snow, hail, Peak remained proud, strong, and silent, never showing any signs of weakness. He reigned over mountains, hills, valleys below, declaring to both friends and foes, I shall never, never be moved. But as time passed, there came a difficult winter with an army of violent storms. The earth hid its face as the storms attacked without mercy. So this proud, arrogant mountaintop thinks that he can't be moved, the cloud said. The storm clouds grumbled one to another as they beat against Peak with blizzards of hail, ice, rain, and snow. Peak scoffed. Send your thunder, send your lightning, send your hail and snow. I shall never, 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 never be moved. I and I alone rule the sky, and this too shall pass. Little did Peak know that the deposits of icy rain had seeped deep into the cracks and crevices of his strong shoulders. When the water froze, it expanded, forcing the cracks to separate even more. He could feel the pain as the crevices grew deeper and deeper. And even though there was pain, Peak stood tall and strong in the face of his attack and continued to declare, I shall never be moved. Still, the cracks grew deeper and the winds blew stronger, and the weight of the ice and the snow grew heavier and heavier. On the outside, Pete remained strong and stoic, but deep inside, 
he knew that he was carrying much more than he was able to bear. One night in the cold, still deep dead of winter, something that felt like devouring fangs gripped him. It, for, the, it was a force that seemed to rise from the depths of hell, looming larger than the mountain or the sky. Without mercy, it ripped into the heart of the mountain. Pete reeled and cried out in anguish. He desperately prayed for someone to wake him from this terrible nightmare. Dear Lord, don't allow my enemies to triumph over me. He silently prayed. It seemed like an eternity as the pain and the pressure continued their journey deep into those cracks and crevices of the terrified peak. The God who created the mountains, the sky, the clouds, and the storm did not even speak, nor did he hold back the ice, the rain, the snow, or come to Peak's rescue. As the night wore on and the relentless blizzard continued, suddenly there was a stillness in the air. In that moment, what Peak thought could never, ever happen, happened. It seemed as though the whole earth was moving in slow motion as the top of Peak's body broke into a giant splinter of rock and began to tumble downward. To the delight of the dark clouds and the shock of all the creatures below, Peak tumbled down, 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 and down again, down, hurling past the peaks that were once lower than him. And look, he looked upon with quiet arrogance, Peak past the nestling eagle that was never had the privilege of looking into the face of the great and mighty peak, past the sure-footed goats that ran for cover as the massive rock with all of its debris continued to swift descend from the top, down, 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 and down again. Finally, what was left of peak came to rest in the valley below, never to rise again. the fall. There are many reasons for a fall. Because when we think about a fall, we think about all of the terrible things that a fall represents. A fall represents an act of failing, it's failure. It is a descent from the very, from a very secure high place to the very bottom of life. Hmm. I, I, I grew up in an area in Philadelphia called the Black Bottom. It ran from 40th Street down to 30th Street. From, from 69th Street uh, to 60th Street to 69th Street is where all the wealthy Anglo-Saxon Protestants live, white people, amen? And beyond 69th Street was the burbs, the suburbs. And as you came down from 60th Street to 50th Street, uh, where the well-to-do Whites lived, most of them Quakers, most of them descendants of the Mayflower. I mean, this is Philadelphia. This is the place of the Liberty Bell. This is where Grace Kelly lived, amen? Uh, 
who went on to become a great princess. And from 50th Street down to, uh, from 60th Street down to 50th Street is where Jewish merchants lived. Uh, they owned stores and real estate and property. And from 50th Street uh, down to 45th Street are where the Italian merchants lived, the Italians and the Irish lived, and they were the working class. And some of them uh, at the bottom of 45th Street were almost like the working poor, the middle class, you know, the struggling, you know, the laborers, the blue collar workers that supported uh, the Philadelphia Phillies and the, and the football teams. And then as you kept descending down to 40th Street is what they called the black bottom, amen? It was the bottom, that's where black people lived, amen? And uh, they treated us thusly. It was, uh, the, it was really interesting because we lived on the backside of the University of Pennsylvania, which was one of the best schools in the United States of America. And we lived in a little alleyway called Irving Street with the backside of University of Pennsylvania's wall on one side of us and a factory wall on the other. And in between were small streets where we lived and it was known as the bottom, amen? And, and, and so our parents, their, their purpose and their goal was to get their children out of the bottom. So for some, some reason, which I'm not sure what happened, they used some kind of fictitious address to get us to a white school on 50th Street, amen? And uh, I don't know whether it was someone that was working in someone's house that they talked them into using the address or whether they just faked the address, I don't know. But uh, we went to the best school in the city. With, we were the only, me, my brother, and my cousin, we were the only black children in the school. And it was a wonderful school, okay? Well, at one point they found out that we were uh, not residents of that area, amen? And it was on a day when uh, it was pouring down raining and uh, they came to our class and put us out of the rain and we walked from 40th, 50th Street all the way down to the black bottom in the rain. No notification to our parents, they didn't call. I mean, this was the days, you know, where, you know, you know the days, you remember those days where they just didn't care and they sent us out in the rain and I remember my parents were working when we got home. There was no one there. We sat on the steps in the rain for hours and some of the neighbors finally saw us and took us inside. That's what it was like at the bottom. So when we think about the bottom, we think about being in a place where nobody wants to be. So we struggle, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle to climb out of it. We struggle to find our way to the top. And when we make it to our top, whatever that may be in your life, we make a declaration inside of us. Come on, you know you make that declaration. I shall never be moved. You just decide in your heart, whatever it takes for me not to be. Anybody ever been on the bottom? Anybody know what, what the bottom is like? Anybody ever lived in the bottom? And when you got out of there, what did you say when you got out of there? I shall never be moved. That was your purpose, that was your goal, that was your plan in life. 
to remain at the top of where you, uh, where you were able to get out of the bottom. But let me explain about this thing about the fall. Fall is an act of failing. It is a descent from a secure place to the very bottom, the very bottom of life. A fall is a journey into a place where you are unprepared, unexpected, unpredictable, and unforeseen. You never see this coming. And if you do see it coming, you pretend that it's not coming because you've already decided in your heart, I shall never be moved. So even when there are signs of cracks in the crevices, you, you just decide that I shall never be moved. A fall is never something that you plan to do. Because if you plan a fall, that means you are suicidal. Amen? That, that's what it means. If you say, you know, I'm here at the top. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to fall. No, you're not going to fall. You're going to jump. Okay? <laughs> Amen? So we understand as a fall is not something that we want. It's not something we plan on. It's not something we expect. And it's something that we struggle against. But there's something else that happens to us when we reach the plateau, when we reach our goals. Because it is a place of pride. And pride can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. It's just like uranium. You know what uranium is? The stuff that they make, you know, radioactive materials out of? You know, God put it deep in the earth for a reason, okay? Because it's good, but it's also dangerous. Amen? So when, we, when God elevates us, when he puts us in a place uh, where we're kind of like looking down, and I don't mean looking down in a negative sense, but looking to where he brought us from kind of thing, saying, Lord, you got me up here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then we have to begin the balancing act of understanding that pride is like uranium. It can help the world or it can destroy your world depending on the balance and the caution that you take for being in a position where God is blessing you and bringing you up off of the bottom. Amen? And so what so happens when you are at the top, when you are at the peak, there is no flat ground up there. You have to balance yourself between, you know, look at all this that I've accomplished. Lord, if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't have none of this. To God be the glory. Because if you're not careful, you will move in this place where there's nobody like me. Just look at me. Oh, I'm all that. And you're getting where? Out of balance. Because let me tell you something. God does not give his glory to another. Amen? He will give you it at all. He'll put you as high as you want to go as long as you give him the glory. But I want you to understand that we have to be careful not to criticize people in high places because people in high places live in a place where they are, where the air is thin and there's not a lot of oxygen. And when you're in a high place, your thinking gets skewed, 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 I'm trying to say skewed, skewed. 
<laughs> oh, Lord, you know, anyway. Um, your thinking can get out of balance because there's not a lot of counsel in high places, amen? There are not a lot of people that are where you are and that can help you find your way into that place. And also, when God elevates you, when he escalates you into your own business, your own ministry, your own this and your own that, and he brings you to that high place, not only that, you got haters. You got haters there. You got storm clouds that are looking down on you and they're trying to figure out, how can I get this person out of this high place. How can I how can I help them to fall? When you get that house, I'm telling you, you know that, you know, people walk in and go, ooh, and how this blah blah blah. Oh, this is just wonderful. I'm so happy for you, Joanne. Oh, uh, look with you and uh, you, you you've been married or you're celebrating your 25th wedding anniversary, your 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Maybe they are. <laughs> hey. Maybe they're happy for your new car, your new ministry. Maybe they are, but hey. Well, let me, this is, this is what, I, what I was trying to understand. I said, Lord, if you bless me to rise to the top of the place uh, 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 in, 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 in life, if you bless me, why would anybody hate me for that? Where's that coming from? that you would see somebody do good and see their ministry grow or their business grow or them grow professionally or them to get a, a high appointment or elected office and then you decide you don't like them anymore. What is that from? Like, okay, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked because you have to understand the origin of haters and why people are rejoicing to see you fall even when you're up there and you're in balance and you're giving God the glory and you're saying thank you. They're just waiting for you to fall. They're hoping you for fall. They're spreading stuff about you so that you will fall. They don't want you in that spot. I said, where is that coming from? Why are people, even those who are in the body of Christ, so full of hell, hate, hate, I'm having problems with words today, hatred, resentment, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, backstabbing. We are supposed to be the body. Where is that coming from? You want to know where that's coming from? So glad you asked. Go with me to Isaiah 14. Better yet, let's go to uh, let's go to Ezekiel first. Ezekiel twenty-eight. Ezekiel twenty-eight, and we're gonna start at verse seventeen. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um. And I don't want to read all of this to you, but uh, verse 11, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take up lamentation concerning the king of Tyre, and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says. And he's talking about the king of Tyre as a metaphor for Satan. Okay, that's what he who he's really talking about. You were the model perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, 
You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, uh, uh, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of pure gold in the day that I created you, and they were prepared. You were the anointed as you were anointed as guardian cherub, so I ordained you, ordained you in the holy mountain of God. You walked on those fiery stones. You were blameless in all of your ways from the day that you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, I mean, I just gave you like all kinds of opportunity. You were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in, in disgrace from the mountain of God and expelled you, O guardian cherub, from the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you, and you corrupt and corrupted in your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. That's what he says in Ezekiel, first story. Isaiah 14, 12. Now you got that bit of information? Okay, now let's look at 14, 12. Fourteen twelve says this. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of dawn? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the mountain of the assembly on the highest heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. He said, how did you fall? What happened to you? You were in the Garden of Eden. You had everything. I gave you everything to make you glorious. The iniquity that was found in you was one day sitting at the top of your game. You said, I. You gave me not the glory. One more, and then we're going to explain this. Revelations 12 and 7, very quickly. I want you to get a picture of the first fall. Amen? Because most people think that the first fall was Adam and Eve. But the first fall was not Adam and Eve. The first fall was Lucifer. Amen? Amen. It says this in Revelations 12 and 7. There was a great war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he, was not, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient dragon, uh, that, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth, he and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying, Satan was kicked out of heaven. Jesus says in John, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven to the earth. So when he comes into the garden, he comes as a fallen angel. And who does he find in the garden when he's there? He finds a man and a woman that have been given everything that are at the top of their game, giving God the glory. That's where haters come from. It is the spirit of the fallen Lucifer. 
because that's where it all started. When he saw Adam and Eve being loved and being in right relationship with God, he was full of jealousy and he was determined, well, if I fall, I'm going to see to it that you fall too. So what does he do? How does he create this fall, this human fall? He gets into our head, has not God said? And somehow the enemy, when we are successful, you have to be careful because his goal is to make you think that you did this on your own, that it was your talent, your giftedness, your hard work, your effort, your luck whatever you want to call it, that made you, that gave you what you think you have. And once he gets that into your head, that this is all about you, and once he gets it in your head that everything and everybody is beneath you, and you begin to treat people like they are beneath you, you have just allowed the spirit of the fallen one to overtake your thinking. I will ascend my throne. How many of you seen athletes do that? How many of you seen actors do that? How many of you seen politicians do that? I will ascend my throne above the throne of God. We even have entertainers now that are calling themselves Jehovah and Jesus and wanting to be God and I feel bad for them because I know what their end is going to be if they give not God the glory. I remember when John Lennon said publicly, the Beatles said publicly, I am greater than Jesus Christ. Four days later, he was shot dead. Just like Herod, who proclaimed himself God. And a few days later, the, I mean, it wasn't in a few days, he got the words out of his mouth and he fell dead. You can't live in a place where you don't give God the glory. And if you have a sister, a brother, a mother, a father who think that they don't need God, pray for them because they're in a dangerous place. They're in a dangerous place. There are three reasons for a fall. And the first one is pride. And we know that that comes from Lucifer. Amen? He was the spirit of pride. So listen, when God gives you a place at the top, be, be thankful for your enemies. Be thankful for people who tell you that you're not all that. Be thankful for your critics because they keep you humble. They do. Be, be, be thankful for those who come against you. For your, before your competition, your competitors. You know, be thank you for all of that because it is the struggle. It is those who say you're not going to make it. Those who are saying that you can't take it. Those who are pointing the finger just say, I knew you win. All of those people that keep you, because I mean, if everybody agrees with you, if everybody talks about how wonderful you are, how you never make mistakes, how you're so perfect, how you're so all that, you are headed for a fall. But when you got people around you, when you're at the top and you have to say, Lord Jesus, please don't let me kill that person. 
Lord Jesus, please don't let me fall into sin. Lord Jesus, help me. God, help me because, and you begin to, and, and you know that some of what they're saying about you is true on top of everything else. My husband always tell me, I ain't scared of you. I'm going to tell you the truth about you. Yeah, nobody else will tell you. I'll tell you. I'm like, why don't you be quiet? You know, what did you say? But those are the things that keep you from falling. It keeps you in touch with you or just a human being with flaws. You are not perfect. Thank God for haters. They will keep you humble. They really will. They'll keep you humble. Because I'm telling you, you know, it's a hater. Because, you know, I like to think sometimes, you know, that I have perfect control of my tongue and my temper and all that kind of stuff. And then a hater shows up and my hand flies on my hip and my neck start rolling. I'm like, Terry, come on now. Come on, pull it in, girl. Don't go there. Don't. You don't have to go there. You know, haters bring out who you really are. They do. So thank God because they keep your pride in check. They keep your pride in check when they come in and make you look stupid. You know what I mean? In front of everybody, you know, like, you know. I saw those shoes at Payless, you know, that you got on. Why is she going to be talking about my shoes are from Payless, you know? You know? So pride is the first one. And then the second one, this is the important one. This is the one you want, okay? There are reasons for a fall, and not all, them, not all of them are bad. And as you begin to read this book, you're going to see that God is perfecting Peak, our main character, through this fall. Because a fall can be the beginning of a call. Amen? The fall can be the beginning of a call. Why would God send enemies to fight against you without a cause? Why, why would you get, why would somebody purpose to knock you out? A lot of times you think, and when you say, I'm not a proud person, I've been humble, I've been serving, I've been the best person that I know how to be in this job, in this position, in this place. Why, why, hey, why are you hating me? I'm the good guy, why me? Because a fall, a call can begin with a fall. Amen? First Samuel 18 and 7 says that Saul, when, when David sl slayed Goliath, oh man, he was on top. He was the top gun. Amen? He killed a giant. And when he rode it back into town, they said, Saul has slain a thousand, but David has slain 10,000. David, yeah! You know, all the women start dancing and singing, parading around. Look at David, look at David, look at David. But God had a call on his life. And so he sent in the haters, amen, to, to knock him out of what he viewed as the top. He thought he was at the place where he was supposed to be. God says, no, I'm not going to have another Saul on my hands. Saul was disobedient, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm calling you to be king, but I got to take you through some things so that when I put you in the place that I prepared for you, you won't be like the person that came before you. So Saul becomes his enemy, amen? But it is because of his fight with Saul 
because Saul chased him from one end of Israel to the other, because he hid in caves, because he played crazy, because of uh, 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 all the times that he was almost killed, that he was almost defeated, that people turned against him, that he went through Ziklag, where his wife was, and children were taken hostage, and all the people turned against him and, 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 and wanted to kill him because of what happened to them. He went through it. But it is because of what he went through that he was able to write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He wrote that because he went through a fall. He wrote Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? He wrote that because he went through a fall. He wrote the 91st Psalm, who dwells in the shelter of the most high and rests in the shadow of the mighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He wrote Psalm 20, some men trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the Lord. He wrote Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Without the fall, he would have never understood his call. And I know that when you hit bottom, some of you hit bottom, you hit bottom because of drugs. You went through a sickness when you hit bottom. You went through a loss of your home, loss of your job, you hit bottom. But it had nothing to do with pride. God knows and you said, because as soon as you fall, what's the first thing you ask yourself? What did I do wrong? You go to God, God, what did I do wrong? I had to ask God that question. God, what did I do wrong? I was married, I had two children, my husband was a success in business, and all of a sudden he died and the creditors came to my house, they took my car, they put tags up in my house that it was up for auction. God, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. It's just the call. It's the call on your life. And you cannot be effective in your call if you've never been through a fall. Pete would find that out. God will force you to let go of where you are to take you where he needs you to be. Because sometimes when you hear God and you know he's telling you, it's time for a change in your life. It's time, I have a new thing you need to do. Well, yeah, maybe next year. Yeah, uh, maybe when I retire. Uh, uh, maybe when the kids are grown, maybe this and maybe that. And he's like, oh, you ain't gonna move? Oh, you, you don't, you, you're going to do it when you want to do it? Really? Okay. Let me put some cracks and crevices in your little kingdom so I can get you to the place where I've called you to be. Amen? Amen. Finally, the reason for a fall. Amen? Sometimes a fall will become its pride. But even, you know what, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. Because even when you fall because of pride, because you gave not God the glory and those around you because you thought that you were the one who built your business. You were the one who uh, got out of poverty and, and made it and while your brothers and sisters were still struggling to survive. You were, maybe you thought it was all about you. But God will use that. He will use any kind of fall. Do you understand? I mean, even it was from pride to get you to come to yourself so he can recycle you and use you for a real pri pr uh, purpose in a different way. Amen? Yeah. 
But finally, a fall can come because of pride. A fall can come because uh, uh, of a call. It can come because of um, a purpose. And it can come because we are living in a perishable world. And a lot of times you don't understand. Why, you know, why my house? Why, why did I lose my house? Why did I lose my job? Because we're living in a world that is not permanent. It is perishable. And everything we have in our government, everything we have in our job, I don't care what it is, it is a perishable item. And I don't care how sweet an apple is and how good it looks, if you let it sit there long enough, it's going to begin to break down and decay. So God says, hey, don't, don't put your trust now, don't put your trust in what man has given you. You don't want to. You you don't want to put your. You don't want to store your treasures up in this world and think your seed is one. Well, you know, I I bought some stock in Kellogg's and I got some stocks in some Coca Cola stock. You know, and I hear people sitting around talking about their stocks. Do you know how unstable the stock market is? You know, you got people jumping off of buildings. Behind money that they put in stuff. Now, I, I own two houses, and I got an apartment building, and I'm set. I'm secure. I got it going on. All you need is an earthquake. <laughs> That's all it takes. This world is perishable. I had a friend in Louisiana. He had a church with thousands of members, built a mansion in Louisiana, built other houses, was living, all of it was underwater. In a matter of days, we, this world is perishable. And that's why we have to make sure that we put our treasures in heavenly places. We put our treasures in relationship. Your house can burn down. But if your marriage is good, you understand what I mean? You can build again. You know, you may not be able to give your kids uh, uh, a new car like some of their friends. Oh, my friends, they got, they got a moped. They got dirt bikes. They're going away to fancy camps. They got this. They got this. And why don't I have this? And why can't I go this way? But give them the love. Because just because kids have stuff, it doesn't mean that they have parents that are investing in them, that are caring for them, that are setting boundaries and standards, that are modeling to them their character and how they should live. Well, I, I, I don't know whether, you know, my kids, I don't know whether they want to come to church and I let them decide. You don't let them decide about school. How is school more than important in church? If you put emphasis on school, all you're going to have is an educated devil. And you don't need that. You have to make sure that what you're investing in and what you're putting in is not perishable. And it's never perishable when you invest in the kingdom of God and the people of God. You can't put enough money in ministry. You can't give enough. You can't because it's always going to come back to you, whether this world falls apart or whatever it does, whether it sinks, whether earthquakes. When you invest in the kingdom of God, it's going to find its way back to you. I wish my husband and I were rich, 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 rich. But guess what? Sometimes we would sit in the house and the phone doesn't ring and our kids are not in trouble. You understand what I mean? And we look each other and actually like each other. We eat popcorn and laugh and talk. 
I know people that we have to drive to their houses. I'm not kidding. And they live so far up in the hill, you get, you know, uh, oxygen deplete to get to the top of the hill. And out there fight, fighting like cats and dogs. Don't put your time, your energy, your money, and your gifts in things that are going to fall apart. Seek ye first the kingdom and everything. If you're not praying with your mate, if you're not praying with your children, start today. Start today. You will save their lives. And I don't care how disinterested they seem. Don't let their disinterests or their disrespect throw you off. My kids used to say to me, riding in the car, I said, come on, bring it, bring it. Oh, do we have to? I'm in high school. My God, why are we doing this? Because I insist. Um, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him without anything, not anything was made. And it was life, and this life was life. I thank you very much. Because I know what the Word is in you. It is not a perishable thing, it is eternal. It is eternal. Put the things into your household that are not perishable. And I guarantee you, the floods will come and they will beat against your house. But when you build on the rock of Jesus Christ, the storms will come, but you will not fall. The call of God. I will not ruin this book for you by telling you what Peak's purpose was, but it was an awesome purpose. It's gonna shock you and it's gonna surprise you what he did with this fallen stone, amen? amen? But I want you to know that many of you right now, you feel like a fallen stone. You just feel like your whole life is falling apart. And I'll tell you, there's some places that I used to walk in the mountains in Pasadena and the storms would come and the paths that I used to walk on, when I came after the storm, those paths weren't there anymore. And I'm like, wow, well, how, how, do, how do I get? I remember my husband and I were walking. I said, well, well how do we get to the other side? You know, it, 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 the path is gone. And Charles said, we have to make a new path. And we'll leave our footprints for others to follow the new path. Amen? Amen. The new path. Some of you right now, You've fallen, and you don't know what God is doing. Oh, my sister Deborah is here. My sister Deborah is here. I watched her fall. I watched her fall into bad health. I watched her struggle and battle for her life, and I watched her ask God, God, why? Why me? They told her, you're not going to survive. This sister's sitting right here. How many months did they give you? They, you know, oh, you're not gonna make it. The cancer was here, the cancer was there, it was everywhere. But you know what? She hit rock bottom. She was by herself. She couldn't work, she couldn't do anything. Now she is the head of a ministry called Sassy Survivors, where she helps God let her live. He brought her back from the dead. He brought her back from the bottom. Now she works with people that are fourth stage cancer, third stage, you know, she has sassy survivors and, uh, uh, and she's starting chapters everywhere. Yeah. 
helping people, encouraging people, telling them what the resources are out there that they don't know about. Because the fall, her fall was a part of the call. Was it a hard fall? It was very hard. Nothing's harder than you fighting for your life. But God said, though you fall, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. When his call is in it, he's going to lift you up again. Amen? Somebody right now. You, you, you may have gone through a fall and you don't understand what God was doing or why. And you're feeling like you're at the bottom and you don't know how you're going to get back up again. But you can get back up again. I think there's a song that said, you'll get back up again. You're going to get back up again. You might want prayer right now and say, you know what? I, I'm encouraged, but I need to know that I can get back up again. You can. Look at somebody next to me and say, you can. Get back up again. Look at them again and say, your, call, your fall is a part of the call. That's what it is. And some of the things that you were holding on to, they fell apart because they're perishable. But even when they fall apart, doesn't mean that God is not going to do a new thing. Amen? A new thing. Let's pray for the new thing that God is going to do in your life. Amen. Father, I thank you right now that you are about to do a new thing. Somebody has hit rock bottom and and it just feels like it's over. Everything fell apart. My life fell apart. My job fell apart. My finances fell apart. My health fell apart. God says, this day I will do a new thing. A new thing in your life. A new thing. I'll tell you what. If I could get remarried at the age of 60, then I know that God is able to do a new thing. Anytime, anywhere, any place, he chooses to do it. Amen? Amen. So I pray for the new thing in your life. And I'll tell you this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things will pass away and everything becomes new. You may be a person who said, who's saying, I need a new day to come into my life. But that new day cannot come and he cannot do a new thing until you are renewed in Christ Jesus. Somebody here, your relationship with God is not what it should be. And you're tired of being on the bottom. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm tired of being on the bottom. I'm ready to do a new thing. And I know it's going to begin with my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now, Lord, for the gift of salvation. Because when salvation comes, even though we've fallen, we'll get back up again. So, Father, I just thank you. And let's just say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins.
cleanse me of all unrighteousness and do a new thing in my life. I accept you, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior of my life. Now, Lord, send the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, and to teach me. Give me a pastor and a church, Lord, that I can be planted and grow. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer, you are renewed in Christ, amen. There may be somebody here, and you're like, you're like, well, I, you know, I, I come to church now and here and there, and I, I used to go to church over here, but I don't go. Let me tell you something. You are not going to get off at the bottom without a pastor and without a church. Just not. It's not going to happen because you need. Uh, you ever see somebody fall off a cliff? They need a team to drop a rope over and help lift them off of the bottom. If that's you and you, you need, you need, you need, you're not in a church. And even if you're in here long enough to just get off the bottom, come and be joined to this church. There's somebody here, you've been sitting, you've been thinking about it, you've been pondering, you chewed and you this and you that, and I'm gonna do it next week and next time and all that kind of stuff. This is your day. If that's you, just come on down right now. You need to be here. You're near this church. This is a good man and a good church and a good woman of God, good man of God, good one, good place, great spirit in here. If that's you, you can come now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this time of just lifting us up and letting us and sending this ladder to us, Lord, that we can get off this bottom, Lord, and begin to climb up again and climb on your word, Father, on your promises and on your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your healing, God. We thank you for your provision, God. We thank you, God, for your deliverance, God. We thank you for all the miracles that you're working right now in this place. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. amen. Let's give God a clap offering.